Flinging waves, fox spear, lock is action, very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, black alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Beat your bad left, Edward is an idiot. Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempex cat, Q has had enough of that. Beat me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are the It is 7.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time. It is Thursday, September 15, 2022. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. If you'd like to join our conversation or just call and say hello, we'd love to hear from you, and we'll get you right on the air. 646-668-2433 is the number. Just let your fingers do the walking and get on to truck talking. Um, so we have a great show planned for you guys tonight, but before we go too far, I just want to let you know that we have 118,000 downloads of our podcast, which is really awesome. Thank you to each and every one of you guys, no matter where you're listening. We really appreciate it. And we have 113,000 followers on our Facebook page, which is really, really cool as well. So thank you so much, guys. You can over to our Facebook page at Trek Talking and Beyond, if you spell that out, A-N-D, Beyond and uh, become a member of our ever-growing Star Trek family. But before we get too far in the podcast, I want to introduce to you my Trek experts. We'll start off with Eric. He's out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric? Uh, I am doing well, guys. I uh, am happy to be here talking Trek. We finally have some uh, very, very nice weather here again in Portland. We had some smoke from some surrounding fires for a few days, which was a little uh, hard for people with strong allergies, which I know many people like that. But uh, today's weather has been pretty nice. So uh, I'm feeling good, man. Ready to talk about this show tonight. And also hailing from Portland, we have Paul the Toy Guy. How are you doing tonight, Paul? Each man hides a secret pain. It must be exposed and reckoned with. It must be dragged from the darkness and forced into the light. Share your pain with me, Jim. Share your pain with me and gain strength from the sharing. I need my pain. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little homage for you, buddy. Just because I know you you get your your hit of Lawrence Luckinbill every few days. So I'm just trying to make it more tangible. They've got to make a sidewalk. I'm telling you, have <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll mention that. I'll mention that. Maybe don't lead with that. Maybe, maybe sneak that in there, but, but just don't leave. People, how do you pick your figures? Oh, by the way, I'll just slip that right in there. <laughs> it occurred to me the other night, I was watching Wrath of Khan, right? Remember when Terrell and Chekhov go down to the you know, SETI Alpha 5, right? Or whatever it may be in reality. And they're wearing the spacesuits? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No one's ever made those spacesuits in figure four. Really? Ever. Really? No one's ever done that. And those suits are 
uh, and it's pretty similar to the suits Spock wore in the motion picture, right? Pretty similar. Yeah. We need those as figures. That that's part of my campaign. Is that's stuff that has never been produced would be amazing. People would gobble it up. Minor digression. Well, sorry. There we go. <laughs> we, have, we have some stuff to talk to the playmates people about. We do indeed. <laughs> We do indeed. And we also have with us Paul. Paul's out. I'm not Paul. Not Eric. We already talked to I'm old and we're talking to Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. I'm doing good. We're getting some nice weather. It's dropping right now to low 90s. Might be mid 90s this weekend. But the nice thing is we're dropping to the 70s at night. The mornings are feeling good right now. And you know what? That's about our temperature here right now. When we go up to camp this weekend, we're going to have to have a campfire because it gets a little cold at night, but I like it. That's good sleeping weather. Good dog walking weather, too. Um, So, guys, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Lower Decks, Mining the Mind's Mine, uh, which was episode three last week's episode. So if you'd like to call us and share your insights or thoughts on that episode, please do. We would love to hear from you. But we also have a lot of Star Trek news um, to talk about. So uh, there's going to be a new engineer on Strange New Worlds. But it's not who you think it might be. You'll have to hang out with us to find out who that might be. And uh, we're going to see another classic uh, TNG character showing up on Prodigy. And I'm not talking about Chakotay. We're not talking about Admiral Janeway. This is somebody else. So you'll have to hang out to find out who that might be as well. <laughs> it could be Ensign Kim. He might be an admiral by now. We don't know. Um, we also have, as usual, we have our fan shout outs because we like to say thank you to you guys personally. We have a lot, and I mean a lot of Star Trek birthdays, which is why I'm trying to rush through this because I don't want to make sure we get to everything. And we have, of course, our convention calendar as always. So our phone number here is 646-668-2433. Give us a call. We'll get you on the air. Eric, why don't you get us started off with our fan shout-outs? You bet, Jim. Our very first fan shout-out this week goes out to top fan Jens Berenshear from Germany, Lower Saxony region. Kapla to you, and thank you for listening to Truck Talking right there in the middle of Europe. Uh, love your support, and thanks for being a top fan. means that you interact a lot with us on our Facebook page, and we always appreciate that. We're also sending a shout-out to Ryan Rhino O'Hara from Dorset, England. So, Rhino Rhino O'Hara, I love your nickname. That is super sweet. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Trek Docking. We're also saying hello this week to Sammy Markanen from Hirvahara, Finland. Gives us a little live long and prosper icon. Thank you, Sammy, for listening to us up there in Scandinavia as well. And my final fan shout-out goes out to Michelle Winstone this week, who's listening to us all the way from Wales. Live long and prosper to you, Michelle. Charles, who would you like to say hello to? Let's start off with Robin Kendall from Springfield, Illinois. Beverly Demeek from Mantobia, Canada. Tommy Andre Lund from Norway, and Richard Coates from Auburn, Massachusetts. Since we're missing somebody, let's keep on with Antoinette 
Alan Rippier from Northville, Michigan. Star Salinas from South Texas. Damian Steele from Elkhart, India, Indiana. And Rebecca Perdue from North Carolina. Oh, who's on your list? Well, we've got all kinds of fabulous folks that uh, interact with Star Trek and interact with us as well, which is really outstanding. First of all, a great kapla, and thanks for being part of our family to Patrick Schneider in Bremerhaven, Germany, all the way across the mighty Atlantic Ocean from us. So great to know that you're out there, Patrick. Thanks so much for being a fan. Uh, a shout-out also and kapla to Gloria. God, Elmer Fudd is really with me today. I don't know what's going on. Gloria Guerrero. <laughs> Sorry, Gloria Guerrero. It's Thursday. You know, uh, the old mechanics stop working uh, by the end of the week. Gloria comes to us from Buenos Aires, Argentina, an absolutely stunning part of the world. It's great to know that Star Trek enthusiasm is alive and well down in Argentina. Also, going even further on the other side of the planet, uh, hello and thank you for being a fan to Kate Yiannakis in Wellington, New Zealand. Wellington, New Zealand is full of various fantasy and science fiction enthusiasts. And Kate is letting us know she is among them. So thank you, Kate, for being a fan and giving us a shout. And finally for me, uh, i got a nice big uh, live long and prosper here from Doris Kiselhai in uh, Hattingen, Germany, with uh, a very proud waving German flag there and live long and prosper symbol. So, Doris, thank you so much for listening, and it's great to hear from you. Hope you're having a fantastic week. Jim, passing it to you. Well, we're going to wrap things up with our fan shout-outs by saying kapla to Jennifer Gallagher-Pomeroy, who's listening to us in Nashville, Tennessee. We also want to say live long and prosper to Rhonda Bates, who's listening to us in Arizona. We want to say thank you to Tish O'Keefe, who's in Bellingham, Washington. And last but definitely not least, we want to say kapla to Jim Hillis from Belfast, Northern Ireland, who gives us a little live long and prosper. Thank you so much, guys. If you'd like to hear your name featured on a future fan shout-out, all you have to do is go visit us on our Facebook page at Trek Talking and Beyond. Spell that all out. You'll see the live long and prosper pinned to the top of the page, and just tell us where you're listening from. If you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, then you want to tune into the next show because you are going to be featured on a fan shout out so thank you so much to each and every one of you guys and welcome to our star trek family all right guys this is this is going to be a long long part of the show because we have a lot of more than i actually ever thought we'd had so before we dive right in let's play our song Klingon song. Okay, guys, this is our Star Trek birthday segment, and I really like this segment because we we give shout-outs to all of the great Star Trek that we have, and we might mention an episode or a character that maybe you forgot about or maybe one that, that you haven't thought about in a long time and mention the episode or the name, jog something in your mind, and you just, oh, I'm going to watch that episode. So that's what we do this for. But first, we always start off by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who are no longer with us. And for that, 
we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim. Um, this week we have several members of our Star Trek community who have gone before us, and we're going to start it out with a bang. Uh, happy would have been birthday to uh, somebody who helped bring Star Trek back uh, from the television cancellation uh, and back into the forefront of pop culture. Director Robert Wise, uh, director of Star Trek The Motion Picture, would have had a birthday this week, um, and that was a uh, a feat for which he would receive his sole Saturn Award nomination, uh, nomination uh, as Best Director. And, you know, Robert Wise, from what I understand, kind of a cool guy. He graduated high school back in 1929, tried to go to college for journalism, and then essentially got a job eventually through his uh, brother at RKO Pictures, and that would help him get into kind of the movie business. And he directed a whole bunch of movies back in the 40s, um, uh, Curse of the Cat People, The Body Snatcher, Born to Kill, things like that. And then eventually would go on to uh, get the job uh, for the motion picture. And, you know, there's a lot of drama surrounding the motion picture, which you should go and read about if you haven't before. But there's this one quote I just wanted to mention from Robert Wise. He said, uh, when he got a hold of the script for the first time, uh, he said, uh, this is him later talking about it. The script still wasn't in any kind of shape. So we had to start rewriting and shooting all at the same time. It was a hell of a way to make a picture. Uh, so... <laughs> He worked his way through all of that and gave us, uh, I think, a picture that we all know and love quite a bit. It has some pretty awesome um, 4K versions of now. And as I understand, one of our uh, one of our own has potentially met this person before. Uh, that embarrassingly, that would be me. <laughs> so, tell, do tell. I I was just a. Very seldom do I get uh, tongue-tied, right? Because, you know, it's a disease. But uh, I was tongue-tied around Robert Wise. Uh, so for a lot of years, I was bartending and waiting tables, uh, living in New York. And uh, in one of the dinner houses I was waiting tables at, Robert Wise came in with his family, and uh, for, and I had to wait on him. And uh, didn't get to chat with him much because, you know, it was this big family dinner for, like, the matriarch. And, and Mr. Wise looked very busy. <laughs> kind of like you know uh, overwhelmed but uh, I, I gotta just mention man uh, he's created one of the most legendary science fiction films of all time as great as the motion picture is um, this is the man who gave us the day the earth stood still yeah with Michael Rennie and Gort the robot and uh, what's really awesome is we get to see his movie, The Day of the Earth Stood Still, in the uh, pilot for Strange New Worlds when Pike is watching it in his cabin. So it's kind of like this circle coming full bore around again, bringing Robert Wise back into the Star Trek universe. But just seems like a really great guy. Um, you know, amazing to be just standing in the same room with him. But what a career, dude. What a career. What a, and, and boy, did he bring life back to Star Trek in incredible ways that uh, have never really stopped. So, wonderful. Very cool story. Thanks for sharing that, Paul. Uh, so, yeah, happy birthday to director Robert Wise. Thank you for all your contributions to the science fiction world uh, that you inhabit. Uh, we are also saying happy birthday this week to Nick Ramos, who, of course, played the Afrosian uh, from the USS Saratoga on, uh, in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Um, Nick Ramos, uh, one of a couple of Afrosians we get to see in, uh, in Star Trek, uh, not the same one as the president, as I understand. So <laughs> happy birthday to Nick Ramos, and thank you for that great portrayal of the character as well. 
We're saying happy birthday this week as well to actor Richard Webb, who played Lieutenant Commander Ben Finney in TOS's episode Court Martial. Uh, happy birthday to Richard Webb. We're also saying happy birthday this week to Byron Morrow, who played Admiral Westervliet in TOS's episode For This World is Hollow and I Have Touched the Sky, and also played Admiral Komak in TOS's episode Amok Time. And if you're thinking to yourself, two different admirals, is there anybody else? I was unable to find anyone else. I'm pretty sure he's the only guy that's played two different admirals in Star Trek, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, Byron Morrow, uh, you know, Illinois-born guy, did tons of television back in the day from Twilight Zone to Mission Impossible, etc. Happy birthday to Byron Morrow. But were they good or evil admirals? Well, <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is I kind of knew you were going to ask me that, which is why I was talking really fast, because I didn't do my research on that front. <laughs> but I yeah, you, I don't... The next, for the next Admiral panel, I'll include these guys. What do you say? <laughs> Excellent. Uh, well, happy birthday this week as well to Kim Hamilton, uh, who played, of course, Chairman Sanji in TNG's episode Final Mission. Um, if you don't remember who that is, Sanji was a, a Gamillion Five native, and this was the one where the planet was being threatened by that waste barge that was orbiting, and it was threatening to drop some toxic stuff on there that would basically destroy all life on the planet. So thank you, Enterprise, once again, for saving a society. Um, and Kim, uh, you know, she got her first job back in the 50s uh, in a war drama called Something of Value. So happy birthday to Kim. We're also saying happy birthday to John Crawford, who played High Commissioner Ferris in TOS's episode, The Galileo 7, an episode that I know we all uh, know and like. This man made over 200 television appearances, um, many of them in the same shows as Byron Morrow, who we talked about just a couple seconds ago. Uh, but what's interesting is Croft, I, this is a new segment I want to start that says Crawford says what? Because Crawford later, 30 years after TOS, revealed um, that his experience was, uh, quote, uh, like this. William Shatner, the star of the series, was having an ego problem, and every time I walked on the set, I could just see it. I was not allowed to move around the set during the entire scene. He kept saying, no, 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 no. This is the bridge of the ship, and we can't be moving around. Well, that's a lot of bullshit. He always worried about people that were taller than him. He didn't want you to tower over him. Well, I needed this like a hole in my head. I had a personal tragedy. My baby had recently just passed. This was in 1966, and then I had trouble with Shatner. What an experience. Oh, my gosh. But John Crawford uh, playing wow. that great role for us um, apparently had a hard time of it. So happy wow. birthday. Thanks for the hard work that you put into that, John. Man. Uh, we are also saying happy birthday this week to actor Harv Presnell, uh, who is one of a few cues we get to see. This one in particular is Colonel Q from the Voyager episode, The Q and the Gray, a very cool episode, in my opinion. I dig it. Um, his on-screen acting career was really brief. Um, basically, was in a few TV appearances. And then he was in Hair uh, in the 60s in San Francisco. And then <laughs> that, like, led to a big life change. He said, I played a hippie, and I decided I wanted to be a hippie instead of playing one. I was going to get a Volkswagen bus and a big bag of brown rice and go find God. And that's what I did. And this guy went and he did that and then eventually earned his Ph.D., and became the chair of the theater of film studies in the, at the dance department at St. Cloud State University. So there you go. You can go sow your wild oats 
find your way to a great job. Bruce Hyde, uh, well done. <laughs> well done. <laughs> he, of course, played Kevin O'Reilly in TOS's The Naked Time and Conscience of the King. Uh, only two episodes, but somehow memorable from those. So He seems Bruce. like he should have been a, a recurring character forever, man. I mean, oh, yeah. Kevin oh, yeah. Riley, that's the song? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, oh. absolutely, I mean, he had the chops for it. Uh, and He's I'm so great. Sure why, why, why did they he, not stick with that guy? Yeah, he wasn't anymore. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, who knows? Uh, would have had a birthday this week. Uh, also would have had a birthday this week is actor Gene Donarski. Uh, we saw Gene uh, as Ben Childress in TOS's episode Mud's Women. We also saw him in TOS as Krodak in The Mark of Gideon. And then in the later years, we would see him as Commander Quinteros uh, in one of Jim's favorite episodes, TNG's episode 11001001. Oh, is it just me, or does this guy look like Picard with a, with a little beard? He does kind of look like a, a weirdly uh, alternate universe version of Picard, uh, Commander Quinteros does, uh, by the time he got to that age, for sure. Yeah. The evil uh, I can't disagree with that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Gene was, you know, he had those three roles, um, and you can look them up if you don't remember who Childress or Krodak were. Uh, I think we all probably remember at least Quintero, uh, Quinteros um, um, from that episode, uh, Commander of Starbase 74, of course. But he actually made his uh, debut in Steven Spielberg's 1971 debut thriller, Duel. And then uh, one later went on and did a couple episodes of Seinfeld and a little bit of other television stuff. So happy birthday to Gene Donarski. Uh, we're also saying happy birthday this week to Henry Darrow, who played Kolopak, uh, who was, of course, Chakotay's father in the Voyager episodes Tattoo and Basics Part 1. Uh, he also played uh, the Vulcan Admiral Savar in TNG's episode Conspiracy. Um, and first of all, that is a great episode. That's the one where uh, Savar is kind of infected with a, with a parasite that uh, Picard ends up shooting out of him. Uh, with phaser rifle, which I think is pretty cool. I love it uh, so Vulcan, much. <laughs> Vulcan, do not eat meat. Yet this guy was chowing down on grubs like they were going out of style. That was a little interesting to me, for sure. If you go Vulcan lore-wise, it uh, seems a little off. But, you know, I mean, Spock's not the perfect Vulcan either. So, you know, maybe this man's just got a taste for worms. I don't know. It could be. Or maybe it was just because he was infected by the slug thing and the slug thing wanted it was controlling him maybe or rather the thing that was controlling the slug thing was actually controlling him but yeah right watch the episode if you need to catch up (laughs) it's a a great episode yeah it was it was a really good episode um and uh you know he i remember him also in the role of don alejandro de la vega in the 1990 uh, series zorro which i don't know if you guys remember that version of zorro but that was the version of Zorro that also had J.G. Hertzler in it. So I thought that was kind of cool. There was a little crossover there. So happy birthday to Henry Darrow. And uh, our very last birthday goes out to actor Roy Brocksmith, who played Zach Doran Sirna Kolrami uh, in TNG's episode Peak Performance, another excellent episode, and also played the Bajoran uh, Razka Karn in DN- DS9's episode Indiscretion. So two fantastic roles. Thank you, Roy Brocksmith, for your Star Trek contributions as well. So that, folks, is all of the folks who have come before us uh, in our Star Trek lives who would have had a birthday this week uh, who are on our list. So, Charles, 
let's kick it off uh, with some folks who are still around. Uh, Rod, I have some few good ones and a bit of a quiz at the end of mine. Charles Dyerkop played Morley in TNG's The Wolf in the Hole. Had many of roles, spent quite a bit of time in Policewoman, appeared in T.J. Hooker, Fantasy Island. Susan Gimney played Dr. Leah Brom, the one holographic and real one in TNG's episode, Bobby Trapp, Galaxy's Child, and LBS's, as we'll talk about tonight, Mining of the Mind's Mind. She also appeared as Benteen uh, in DS9's episode Homefront and Paradise Lost. You're about to say, Jim? No, I was just adding yeah. Erica. Erica Benteen, yeah. Oh, sorry. She was the uh, uh, commander of the Excelsior that went to shoot down um, yep. a Defiant. Susan had some interesting uh, auditions. She auditioned for Deanna Troy, Tasha Yar, Jane Way, and was supposed to be the original Seven of Nine until they saw Jerry Ryan in costume. Looks like to me she kind of retired about 2015, yet showed up for Lower Deck. Harry Trenway played Narek in Bricard, season one. Doesn't have many roles yet. He's still working on his career. Rosemary Morgan played Perry in Boys the Shoot. She is also daughter of Julie Cobb, also known as Yeoman Leslie Thompson in the TOS episode by any other name. So mother and daughter both appeared in Star Trek. Clyde to ah, Kasatsu played Admiral Chiro uh, Nakamura in TNG's three episodes, including Measure of a Man. You might remember him, but he also did uh, a few episodes of MASH. We saw in Magnum P.I. He's a voice actor. And has about three over three hundred other roles he has done. Very extensive. You take a look at him, and you are oh yes, I remember him. Paul F. Tomskins played Doctor Maglino, Innocent Young, and Hyde in in Lower Decks. And then Jim gave me a big one, and I'm going to see what you guys know. Just some actor by the name of Jeffrey Combs. I think you guys may know a little bit about him. <laughs> so let's try going through. See if you can name what he did. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. A, that's the list. <laughs> All right. Well, well, I'll start it off. Uh, I'll go to the DS9 years, which are his most popular years. And he played several characters. He played uh, most famously Wayun, and who I also think was his favorite character that he liked to play. Okay. Uh, here's a question then for you. How many Wayuns did he play? 
I believe now I may be off on this, but I thought he played up to nine weigh-ins. Am I off on that? It's actually five of them. It's only so five. So he did okay. play. He, he did play illusions of himself. He did play okay. one of them as one of the Bajoran gods and such. But he did play Yun Four, Yun Five, Yun Six, Yun Seven, <laughs> and Yun Eight. That's what I thought. Yeah, there were a bunch of them. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. And. and then, uh, well, of course, from DS9 also, he played Brunt, the Ferengi. Yep. Uh, and then uh, he also had a couple other roles on. He was uh, he was the guy... Um, well, if I switch over to Enterprise... Well, I should give other people a chance, but of course, most famously, he was Shran on Enterprise. Yeah. yeah ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that one's a great role of his. Um, Uh, I know that he was just recently in Lower Decks, right? Because he played that computer Agamemnon or Agamus or something. Agamemnon. Agamemnon. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, And he's uh, Wayun on uh, Deep Space Nine, right? He's Wayun. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first thing we talked about. You got that, right? That he played. Yeah. And I I think of uh, I think of this actor Jeffrey Combs, and I go back pre-Star Trek, man. I go back to the 80s because he really made his chops as a fantastic horror actor. I'll talk about that in just a moment, Paul. Oh, okay. I'm going out of sequence, not knowing what the sequence was. Uh, Somebody slap me with a trout. He's trying to get us to say what other roles he played in. Uh, He also also played Tyron in DS9. Kevin Lowowski Lowkehi from Far Beyond the oh, Stars. Oh, Far Beyond the Stars. Yeah, he, yeah, I remember. Yeah, he yeah. played Mirror Universe Front. Yes, of course. He played one of the Holosuite guests in What You Left Behind. He played Pink in Boy, Voyager. He also played Krem in Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Wow. I love it. Wow. Addition of the roles of Commander Edition... Audition for the role of Commander Riker in Star Trek Next Generation. Although he did not get the role, Jonathan Franks, who did get the role, remembered Combs when directing an episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine and cast him in a guest role in an episode. The producer liked his performance so much, he was later cast in two different recurring roles in the show. It's also appeared in five movies written by H.P. Lovecraft. Quite impressive. Why are we saying, Paul, for his pre-Star Trek days? No, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. We, I know time is of the essence, so we can move on. But he's, got, he's had a good career, but he will so well be known for what he did for Star Trek. And... Star Trek fans so, want to see him that. show up on Strange New World, yeah. Dr. Philip Boyce, because they, there's a resemblance between the two. But I don't know how that would fit in when we already have a doctor and we know that McCoy shows up. So I don't think we're going to see that materialize. But there is a petition floating around out there on the Internet to have Jeffrey Combs play Dr. Philip Boyce. But we'll see what happens. Yeah. So, Paul, after my list, who's on yours? 
Okay. Uh, just going to try to go straight forward and, uh, and get them out of here, guys, because I know a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, first of all, on my list, happy birthday to actress Virginia Madsen. Um, played Kellen in the Voyager episode Unforgettable. Of course, Virginia Madsen has been in tons of great films, including Gandyman, uh, The Prophecy, uh, the great movie Sideways. Um, she's uh, uh, the uh, the David Lynch Dune. I mean, she's been in all kinds of great films. Uh, acts a lot. So uh, it was just September 11th was just her birthday just this last weekend. So Virginia Madsen, keep on rocking, sister. Uh, great stuff there. Uh, terrific actress. Also, a happy birthday to Anne Elizabeth Ramsey, who played Clancy in the Next Gen episodes Elementary Dear Data and The Emissary. It's always great to acknowledge these uh, actors who sort of got to be briefly recurring characters when they show up as the same character in more than a couple of different instances in one arm of the franchise. Happy birthday to Harry Groner, who played Tam Elbrun in the Next Gen episode Tin Man, as well as Magistrate Nakani in the Voyager episode Sacred Ground, and, but wait, there's more, Nathan Samuels in the Enterprise episodes Demons and Terra Prime. Happy birthday all goes out to Art Chudabala, who played Hector Ilario in the Deep Space Nine episode Field of Fire. Happy birthday to Judy Geeson, awesome actress, who played Sandrine in the Voyager episodes The Cloud and twisted and earlier uh eric was referencing a birthday of one of the uh minors ben childress from <laughs> muds women here's another muds women birthday just to close the circle here uh, happy birthday to actor john kowal who played fellow uh minor herm gossett who was visited by harry mudd and his um uh, uh stable of uh wiving settlers as i believe you referred to it so happy birthday john kowal and uh the great Tyler Perry, infamous, uh, hardworking, ubiquitous Tyler Perry, played Admiral Richard Barnett in Starfleet Academy Commandant in Star Trek 2009, the J.J. Abrams film. So Tyler Perry gets around. He's in all kinds of different places. I believe he happens to be a pretty big Star Trek fan, from what I understand, too. And then we've got uh, Mary Crosby who played uh, Natima Lang in Deep Space Nine episode Profit and Loss. I believe she's also infamous in television history for being the one who actually shot J.R., you old Dallas fans, whoever you may be. Spoiler alert. In your your rockers there, yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah, you know, know, after I figure about 40 years, I think the shelf life on spoilers is okay. You know, I'm, uh, you know, Rosebud's a sled, by the way, in case anyone's (laughs) not clear. Just, you know, just since we're doing everything, right? Since we're just taking our pants off in the middle of the show, why not? And finally, a fabulous, absolutely wonderful uh, happy birthday uh, to one of the great new members of the Star Trek family. I am delighted to wish a happy birthday to this actor, Blue Del Barrio, who plays Adira Tal on Star Trek Discovery. Uh, Not an easy thing to take a role like this in these controversial times and make it your own and uh, bring along an entire couple of generations of enthusiastic fans who get it and love your work and are looking forward to your next uh, uh, appearances. Sounds like you spend a lot of time uh, with old Tilly on Margaritaville there, from what I understand from a recent uh, behind the scenes uh, 
thing that we had, Blue. So it looks like you're having a good time on the set there. But uh, hopefully there was at least one margarita raised in your honor. Happy birthday to you. I hope you have a long and rich uh, period of residence in the Star Trek universe. Let me pass the uh, flaming birthday candle to our good friend Jim. Well, I think it's burning right down. It's burning my fingertips now. We had a lot of birthdays, but we're just about done. I don't have nearly as many as everybody else, but I've got some good ones. We want to say happy birthday to Julia Nixon, who played Leon Sue in TNG's episode Arsenal of Freedom and Cassandra in DS9's Paradise Lost. Happy birthday, Julia. We want to say happy birthday to Laura Stepp, who played Aaron Hansen in Voice episode Dark Frontier. And uh, the last one on my list, well, for this section, of course, we want to say happy birthday to Tom Hardy, who played Sinjon in Star Trek Nemesis. So happy birthday to Tom Hardy. Uh, you might know him as well, well, uh, as playing, uh, is it a Marvel? Well, no, it was Marvel, but I think it's Sony, right? Venom? I don't yeah. think it's a Marvel movie. It's a Sony like movie, but it's a Marvel character. Anyways, he plays Venom, so you can check him out in Venom. Uh, and and the, the, the last one on my list before we move into Klingons, because I always do the Klingons last, but I had to get this guy in first because he's a legend. And uh, mostly he's mostly a legend in Russia. And we've had him on the podcast on quite frequently when Captain Kirk lets him out of the engine room. He's on down for shoveling coal into the warp cord. Keep it going. He's a great guy. But we want to say happy birthday to the one, the only, Walter Koenig, who, of course, played Admiral Pavel Andreevich Chekhov from Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. You guys remember? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. What, what's your name and rank? And yep, Admiral. So happy birthday to Walter Koenig. And now we get to some Klingons, and I've got some really, really good ones here. The first one, what you want to say, kapla, to Charles Esten, who played Divock in the TNG episode Rightful Air, and he also played Dathan Alaris in Boys episode Remember. And this is a great one as well. We want to say kapla to Mary Kay Adams who played Lady Grilka in DS9's episode, The House of Quark, and looking for Parmok in all the wrong places. Guys, I, I cannot recommend those episodes enough. They are just absolutely spectacular. Um, I, yeah. I mean, watching a Quark <laughs> well, try to wield a Batleth, what more hilarious. could you ask for? It's hilarious. just hilarious. And can I just say, Jim, because we like to go into Star Trek Attack Wing Lord, Grilka has an awesome card. She's one point, um, and you don't have to pay faction penalties to put her on a Ferengi ship. And she says, opposing effects that cost one or more gold press latinum tokens cost plus one. So basically, if somebody tries to spend gold press latinum to do stuff against you, she makes it more expensive, which I think is hilarious. Well, that would make sense, because (laughs) Bork was her keeper. (laughs) So, yep. yeah, those are great episodes. Check them out. And the last one I have on my list uh, is the biggest Klingon. Well, I think Warp is, but uh, the biggest Klingon I have on my list. And, of course, we want to say happy birthday to Roxanne Biggs Doth, who goes by Roxanne Doth these days, 
who played the half Klingon, half human engineer Bellata Torres on Star Trek. You know what, guys? That wraps up our birthdays. Can you believe it? That was a lot of birthdays. But we got through it, and it was a lot of fun. I hope that you guys had fun listening, and I hope that maybe you uh, go back and revisit some of these old episodes after we brought them up and talked about them. Uh, It's almost time for convention calendar, but we do have a caller on the line that I want to get to. So uh, let's talk to a caller. If my finicky little board here will work. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hello? 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 This is Ray. What's up, fellas? It's Ray. Hey, what's, what's up, buddy? Hey, how you guys doing? Yeah, I heard, I, heard, I, heard, I heard a birthday list, but I got something for you guys. Okay, I got some. I did my research, too. Today is just 10 15, right? Now, now, let's go back to the old series for a minute. The two episodes anniversary of 55, well, actually 55, 50 years is the first one is Charlie X. Came out since 1996. You guys remember that one? Oh, yeah. Yep. Sure. And, 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 and the number one was the same date. The next season was um, up to uh, Mark time, the same, the, the, the year after. And no why would you, I, I, do, I think Kirk guys, uh, Kirk, Kirk guys behind kick. <laughs> <laughs> yep, absolutely. Kirk guys behind <laughs> kick. You guys behind kick, you know what I'm saying? So I, I did yeah. my wishes on that one. I did my I did my wishes on that one. So I just I just want to share I just want to share that with you guys. That's all. Well, thank you so much, Ray. Absolutely. I I did not know that. No, remember though, cause like I said, um, okay, okay, Mark, okay, right now I'm waiting for I'm doing Amazon, so I'm waiting for um, D Space Nine. You, you know, you know the box set gonna cost about what a dollars on Blu-ray, so I'm waiting for coming to mail now. It should be here in like the next few days. Wow. Well, you'll have to, you'll have to go through. Make sure you watch. Make sure you watch looking for Parmac in all the wrong places. I know, like I say, I I I, I watch all the episodes of Channel Eleven back in the TV on seven o'clock. I watch these. I watch I watch all of them on, on on TV. I watch all of them: uh, Voyager, Deep Space Nine, Enterprise. I watch all of them. Like that. Shoot, come on now. I'm a trippy forever. You know that goes back. Oh, absolutely. Are you? <laughs> I, I, I know. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I tell everybody on the weekend, I says, "Yo, seven o'clock on a on a Saturday night." I said, you guys going to call me? I, I was in my um in my 20s. You guys want to call me? Yo, you guys got to call me after 8 o'clock or before 6. Because 7 o'clock, the phone going off, off the hook. You know, like the, the rotary phone, the push, you, 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 know, you know, you know, before cell phones, you know, everything. We had the rotary phone and, and the push button phones. And you and, 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 yeah, have family. And you said, oh, it's not I said, Mom, I'm watching these Space 9 right now. You got to tell call back around 9 o'clock. <laughs> please, uh, please, uh, please! I don't want to interrupt it. Uh, uh-uh. it's like going to movies. Like I don't want nobody talking to me. Let me watch the movie. Yep, and and that was before we had we know we didn't see them at that point either. We yeah, didn't have before that. So yep. yeah, I'm yeah, but you know, but you know, times change. You know, what I'm saying technology change and everything else. So you know, I mean, what I mean, what we do. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's bad enough. It's bad enough. It's like some people still have, still have push button phones. It's still bad enough. But you know what I'm saying? But you know what I'm saying? But you know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, what can you do? That's true. Very true. Yeah, well, thank true. you so much for calling, Ray. We, we, we appreciate. How's, how's everything down Anytime. in the Bronx? Um, it's getting, it's, it, everything is like it's getting warm, but like this morning was cold this morning. 
and it's warming up a little bit because we could be could be because fall's coming up. So you know, so you know, so the, I mean, the weather it ain't that bad. But you know, it's, you know, you know, so, you know, so we we have our cool days and our hot days. But it ain't that bad. Good. Well, you try to stay warm, Ray. I will. I'll tell you guys next next Thursday. You guys take care right, now. Thanks, buddy. Live long and prosper. Take care, Ray. You too. Live long and prosper too. Thanks. Kapla. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. All right, we're guys take, take it easy, Ray. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back. We're going to have convention calendar. Hi there. This is Eric from Trek Talking. Do you own a business, produce a product, or are planning an event that would appeal to Star Trek fans? Would you like to harness the power of this podcast to get your message out to the world? We here at Trek Talking are a show made by fans for fans, and we would love to help you share your love of Star Trek on the air, live every Monday and Thursday night at 7.30 Eastern. Contact us through Facebook Messenger at facebook.com slash trektalkingandbeyond, or email us using the contact link on our website at podpage.com slash trek-talking. We can't wait to hear from you. Engage. Okay, guys, we're back. We just heard from our buddy Ray in the Bronx. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. Let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking. All right, guys, it's time for... We've got a series of great conventions coming your way. We are checking out not just another con 2022, October 11th through the 13th at the University of Massachusetts Amherst Campus Center in beautiful Amherst, Massachusetts. Been there many, many times. Go check out just not, not just, excuse me, not just another con. Uh, We're also going to be checking out the FACTS convention, F-A-T. F-A-C-T-S, I do not know what that stands for, but it is an acronym. October 12th to the 13th at Citadel Park in beautiful Gent, Belgium. And uh, my final convention is Constellation, which I think is a very clever name for a convention. Constellation is October 18th through the 20th at the Holiday Inn Express in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, continuing on, we've got Astronomicon on November 1st uh, through the 3rd at Four Points by Sheraton in Rochester, New York. BotCon Europe, November 3rd at Woolsey Hall Windmill Lane in Cheshunk, UK. And last on my list, finally, is Iacon, November 1st through the 3rd at the Moat House Northampton in Northampton. <laughs> Once again, in the U.K., lots of supporters for Trek Talking in the U.K., so go check out some of those conventions in Chess Hunt or Northampton. Paul, what's on your list? I can't believe you got to say such a cool English name, man. Wolsey Hole, Windmill Lane. I mean, come on. Does anything sound more English than that? (laughs) In Chess Hunt. And you – I'm envious of that. I'm envious (laughs) of that, man. So sometimes you just draw an ace, my friend. (laughs) <laughs> well, we got all kinds of other uh, cons happening here in good old uh, North America. First of all, let's. Uh, this one sounds very alluring and uh, very doable for someone on the panel. Carnage 2002, November 1st to 3rd, up at Escutney Mountain Resort Gym. 
in Brownsville, yeah. Vermont. Come on, tell me you're not tempted to go up there. I might. I actually might. Come on, November 1st to the 3rd, you put the snow tires on, bada-bing, you're there. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Carnage, it's got to yeah. be a horror movie con, right? Imagine all the be. horror movie actors who like had guest parts on Star Trek that are there, just wishing that some podcast would invite them to come on as a guest, dude. Come on, think about it. I'm, t- I'm telling you, <laughs> you never know where I can come up with my business card. <laughs> A lot of cool folks uh, hang out in Vermont. That's all I know. And uh, for the South, where it gets warm in the Woodlands, Texas, it's ChibiCon and AnimeCon. And that is at Montgomery College there in the Woodlands. And that is on November 9th. Finally for me, Hamilton, Ontario, up in fantastic, phenomenal Canada. It is Transformers Con 2022. Yes. Get your auto, get your Autobots engaged on November 10th and go to Lawfield Arena there in Hamilton, Ontario. I will try to Amigo. use my best Optimus Prime voice to ask <laughs> Charles what you would like to report on in the correct order. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you a couple of them, but I'd love to go to number th- the third one on my list. Let's start with the Great American Comic Book Sci-Fi Expo, November 15th to 17th, Bayside Expo Center, Boston, Massachusetts. RuneCon, November 16th to 17th, University of Oklahoma, Norman, o- Norman Oklahoma. <clears throat> and then this one I would love to probably pop into, Chicago TARDIS. November 29th to December 1st, Sheraton, Northwest Chicago, Highland Heights, Illinois. Man, with some of the stuff coming out with Dr. Who, man, that might be a pretty good convention. I wonder what that's all about, TARDIS, Connie. You think that's just a proper name? Uh, Jeff, you, <laughs> oh, know, better. Better. <laughs> you know better. You know better. I'm pretty sure it's a Whovian convention. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that wraps up our convention calendar, and it's time for Star Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Okay, guys, before we start our Star Trek news, I got to give you a little little warning that all of the stories that we're about to talk about can be found in their entirety on our Facebook page rather than the condensed, abridged version that I put together to be read on the Star Trek news section. All right, Eric, get us started. Yeah, Jim. Uh, unfortunately, we have lost uh, a great one at 104 years old, uh, Marsha Hunt, actress turned activist. Uh, has died this this week. Uh, Marsha Hunt, a veteran actress of the golden age of film, radio, and Broadway, who later saw her career wither over her protest against the infamous House Un-American Activities Community, the HUAC, died of natural causes. Hunt starred in more than 60 films for Paramount, MGM, and Republic, starting her career in 1935. She also appeared in more than 30 stage productions, including six on Broadway. But her name appeared in Red Channels, an anti-communist pamphlet that was said to wield considerable influence over TV and film studios. 
While Hunt was never jailed or charged with any crime, work became harder to find. The Washington Post reports that Hunt twice signed anti-communist loyalty oaths to procure jobs in film and TV, but that she drew the line at taking out an advertisement in trade papers. Hunt worked periodically after the Blacklist era, including a role as the mother of a disfigured war veteran in 1971's Johnny Got His Gun. She threw her energies into activism after that, serving community, civil, and national organizations dedicated to humanitarian causes. She played Anne Jameson in the Star Trek The Next Generation first season episode, Support a Season. Hunt is survived by nieces and nephews. Donations in her memory may be made to LA Family Housing, lafh.org. Um, and Marsha Hunt was really, like, once she turned activist, she was uh, relentless. Uh, and it's funny how something like a blacklist, uh, which is meant to tamp people down, right, uh, can often ignite them and really get the fire burning. And I think that's what happened uh, with Marsha Hunt here. So uh, lost this week at 104 years old, man, uh, a long and it sounds like very, very meaningful life. So. Uh, let's pass the baton, the news baton, on to Paul. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. This is a big one. I think a lot of folks are going to be raising eyebrows and be quite uh, excited about this because Star Trek Strange New Worlds has added Carol Kane to the cast as a new engineer. Have fun storming the star base. Academy Award nominee Carol Kane, who we could all remember from The Princess Bride, from the television series Taxi, and The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. She will be on Strange New Worlds this season playing a character named Pelia, or Pelia, we don't know yet, P-E-L-I-A, Pelia, an engineer, presumably a chief engineer, who is described as highly educated and intelligent, and someone who suffers no fools. Pelia solves problems calmly and brusquely thanks to her many years of experience. And there's a photo out there. If you're on the Trek Talk and Facebook page, you can find it very easily of her in her red uniform, presumably standing in engineering. Very exciting. Uh, Carol Kane is often thought of as, uh, you know, primarily a comedian. Right, but she's a comic actress, but she's done a lot of other uh, good dramatic work as well. So, don't pigeonhole her, put her in a box. Um, my guess is that they uh, cast her in this role because she's able to do a lot of different things and do them unexpectedly. So, I'm super excited to see where they go. I think a lot of folks said, "Oh, of course, the next evolution will be that they put Scotty in there," but uh, I don't think they're in that necessarily as much of a hurry as it may seem so pretty exciting casting news no footage yet that i'm aware of of uh, her but i'm sure we'll be seeing one of those uh, nicely filmed uh, character introduction bits my guess is uh sometime before the end of the year so keep your eyes peeled and welcome carol kane to the star trek universe your life will never be the same jim what do you got i think from what i read I, I, she sounds an awful lot like another engineer that we all know and love in the name of Jack Reno from Discovery. To me, because she's a non-acting character, and to the point 
We're losing you, dude. We're, you're breaking up. You're breaking up. Yeah, we can't quite. We can't hear what you're saying exactly. Yeah, uh, I think you've passed beyond the far side of the moon, Jim. I don't think we're able to hear you. Great barrier. <laughs> am I? Am I? Is my volume? There we go. Oh, there that's so much go. better. That's way better yeah. Fantastic. Thank you, brother. Am I saying here? There. Can you hear me now? We can hear you now. Um, yeah. I, I think that, that uh, the popularity of Jet Reno might have helped to bring that character to Strange New Worlds. Yeah, it's possible. And, I mean, Carol Kane, it, she's an, it's such an interesting choice because, of course, she's got acting chops, like, flowing out of every single pore in her body. And so how to make a character like that not the star of your show <laughs> all of a sudden will be kind of interesting to see how they use her. And we didn't get much information about her rank or anything, but she does have an interesting pin on her chest just above her communicator, which I don't know the origin of. So there could be something kind of kind of cool character-wise to reveal there. Yeah, I tried to zoom in and expand it so I could read it, but the bigger it got, the blurrier it got. So I really don't know what it says. I, yeah. I have no information. I couldn't get it. But at any rate, welcome to the Star Trek family. And, uh, Speaking of Jet Reno and uh, Discovery, Star Trek Discovery Season 5 set tour confirming return of Mary Wiseman as Tilly. We all knew this was coming, right? This isn't a surprise. With the cast busy shooting Season 5, there was no panel on Star Trek Discovery for Star Trek Day. However, Paramount Plus showed off a behind-the-scenes set tour guided by Wilson Cruz, Dr. Colbert. (laughs) If you guys have not seen the video... Um, look it up on YouTube. It's it's really really good. The it's video really awesome. entertaining. I agree. It's outstanding. Really great. Cruz is awesome. It he is. does a great job, and it's super fun. It's good. It's good, and we get to see Margaritaville as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, the video the video offered the first impressions of season five, including a visit with Mary Wiseman, who is returning as Tilly. In addition to some casual chatting with Wiseman outside the set. She can be seen back in uniform on the bridge of the USS Discovery. Here is the latest official synopsis Star Trek Discovery Season 5. In Season 5, Captain Burnham and the crew of the USS Discovery uncover a mystery that sets them on an epic adventure across the galaxy to find ancient power whose very existence has been deliberately hidden for centuries. But there are others on the hunt as well. Dangerous foes who are desperate to claim the prize for themselves and will stop at nothing to get it. <laughs> there was no announced date for the release of Discovery Season 5. Uh, currently streams on Paramount Plus in the U.S. internationally. The series is available on Paramount Plus in Australia, Latin America, the U.K., South Korea, as well as Pluto TV in Australia, France, Germany, Spain, and Switzerland on Pluto TV. Sci-Fi Channel will also stream exclusively on Paramount Plus. Italy, France, Germany, Switzerland, and Australia later this year. Canada airs on Bell Media, CT, Sci-Fi Channel, and streams on Crave. Okay, David, what do you got for us? Hey, hey can you guys hear me? <laughs> yep, we yeah, yeah. Great. <laughs> David, oh, welcome. This is the first we've heard hey. from you. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, David. <laughs> Welcome to the band that I'm at here in the latter half of the year here. Let's be, you know, wonderful. Mm-hmm. David, it's great to hear you, man. Glad you're doing well. Good to hear you. And good to hear you, too. 
Uh, all right, so I've got a second here. To... Are we? I think we cursed David. Oh, I think couldn't happen to David's connection. We we can't hear David Can anymore. Hear me? Um, now we Hello. Now we go. There we go. Oh, there you go. Okay, let me start over. <laughs> yeah. So I have a segment here that says Star Trek Picard season three teaser revealed USS Titan, TNG characters, and more. The big news for the new teaser was a first look at the new starship, the USS Titan. Here, it's the latest official synopsis for season three. <clears throat> All right, Star Trek Picard chooses Patrick Stewart reprising his iconic role as John Luke Picard, which he played for seven seasons on Star Trek The Next Generation, and follows this iconic character into the next chapter <clears throat> of his life. LeVar Burton, Michael Dorn, Jonathan Frakes, Gates, Gates McFadden, M- Marina Sirtis, Brent Spiner, Jerry Ryan, and Michelle Hurd star along Patrick Stewart in the third and final season of the hit Paramount Plus original series. Also announced was the season three will debut on Thursday, February 16th, 2023, exclusively on Paramount Plus. In the U.S., <clears throat> following its premiere, new episodes of the 10-episode-long final season will be available to stream weekly on Thursdays. And I have to say, since it's coming out on Thursdays, I know we're going to have to review it the next Thursday, but we've got to say something a little about it. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, 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 that's a, that synopsis doesn't really say much, does it? No. It's like, <laughs> it's like, the, it's like the, the, the most nothing synopsis I've ever read of anything. It, it doesn't really <laughs> tell us much. But, but yeah. the important thing is Thursday... February 16th. That's the important part to get out of it. Yep. All right. Well, Charles, what do you have for us? Okay. Bill Campbell returns as Okana in Star Trek Prodigy. For some, the most exciting takeaway of the Prodigy panel was the announcement the lovable Okana will be back, voiced by the original actor, Billy Campbell, who portrayed the favorite in the TNG episode, The Outrage Con Alcana. Campbell who, Campbell, who was a finalist for the role of Riker, played the outrageous Stadium Alcana, a rogue space captain who was outrunning trouble caused by his own shenanigans. When he runs into the young, impressionable Codestar crew, he'll soon discover that they're in more hot water than he is. He will spend some time with them <clears throat> as he has confirmed his recurring role in the show. Exclusive like producer Kevin and Dan Hageman say they've been planning this one for a while. From early on the writer's room, we knew we wanted Captain Fabian O'Connor to return and become a questionable guide for our impressionable crew. It was so much fun to not only explore where Akana's outrageous, outrageous life has taken in, in the later years, but also the work with Billy Campbell, who's effortlessly fell back on the role of Okana like he had never left. The second half of Star Trek 
Prodigy returns to Paramount Plus on Thursday, October 27th to subscribers in the U.S., Latin America, Australia, South Korea, and the U.K. It will, it will air later in the year in South Korea, Germany, Italy, France, Austria, and Switzerland. I don't know. What, did they use David in the uh, Lower Decks episode? That his character was there? I can't remember. Yeah, his character was there, but I don't know if, if, if Billy Campbell voiced him, but the character definitely was there. Yeah, for sure. If the character was there, I wonder if... So, David, back to you. All right, so my next segment is Nicholas Myers, Star Trek <clears throat> Con, setting up for five, launching a scripted podcast. Nick Myers made a surprise appearance at the Star Trek Day 2022 to announce a new audio drama podcast for Star Trek Con, SETI Alpha 5. Myers had previously hinted with, uh, oh, sorry, uh, previously hinted this was in works back in June of this year. The scripted podcast will examine what happened in the years after Captain Kirk left Khan on the untamed world of SETI Alpha 5 and tells the story of Khan and his followers prior to the event of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Nick made a de- definitive Trek movie when he made Wrath, and we've all been <clears throat> standing in its shadow since. Said Alex Kurtzman, 40 years have offered him a lot of perspectives on these extraordinary characters and the way they're impacted generations of fans. Now he's come up with something as surprising, griping, and emotional as the original. And it's a real honor to be able to let him tell the next chapter in the story exactly the way he wants to. This original story hails from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan writer and director Nicholas Myers, Alec Kurtzman, Aaron Bears, Trevor Roth, and Rod Roddenberry will serve as executive producers on this project as well. No release date has been set for SETI Alpha 5. Whoa. What do you guys think? Sounds awesome. I'm in. Totally in, 100%. Yeah, audio dramas. I think audio dramas are a, a, um, you know, people get it with books now, with audio books now, but audio dramas are kind of a lost art in some ways. And there aren't that many, like, there are some podcasts that now come out as serial things, so they kind of have that audio drama flavor to them. But, yeah, I love that format. You know, all I got to say is one thing. I shall leave you as you left. <laughs> My room for all eternity in the center of a dead planet. Buried alive. Buried alive. See, I was trying to get it in, but that lady interrupted us. So there, I got it in. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm going to pass the uh, hot triple to you. Yeah, absolutely. I've got a cool article about Chris Pine, who has talked about Star Trek Four. He says he thinks it would be so cool to play Kirk throughout his career. It's once 
uh, again time to check on one of the actors expected to return for the next Star Trek feature film, this time Star Trek's Chris Pine, who uh, is still waiting for a script but is ready to keep playing Captain Kirk. He says, quote, I think reporters think that we know more than we're saying. And when I say that, I honestly, well, none of us know anything. (laughs) I haven't seen a script. All I heard was that they said we're making a film. I'm so stoked for that idea, and possibly as we all are, but it's so premature to say anything because there's no date, no nothing. But I'm pretty positive we'd all come back. I don't see why not. Chris Pine was 28 when he was first cast to play Captain James T. Kirk in the 2009 Star Trek movie, which was his first major role. Now 42, he is considered one of the Hollywood Chris's. He last played Kirk in 2016's Star Trek Beyond. The actor talked more about the idea of getting to return to the role throughout his career. Quote, it's super cool. I love the idea. It's very rare to get a chance to play one character over the entire, essentially, course of your career. If I had the chance to do that, I think it would be so cool. So, so cool. So, hopefully, we get to do it. For now, Pine will have to wait as Paramount looks for a new director to helm the project which is still on their calendar for release on December 22nd, 2023. And uh, I think I'd like me some more Chris Pine, uh, Kirk. I think that'd be cool. I'd be down with it, show how he's grown throughout his career and such. So, uh, great idea. Charles, let's keep it rolling with some lower decks news. Well, actually, I was going to make a comment. I don't know the full story on it, but one of my tricky friends posted in a text that Paramount might be looking for some for some minor actors for Star Trek Four. They're looking for some background people, so maybe there's news that they're going to try getting going. This one, you know what would be, this one, I think, you know what would be really cool if there was a Trek talking booth in the background at Starfleet headquarters. <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> And you just know, the job fair day or something. Yeah. And there's a Klingon where you can get Batlet around and everybody wants to come over and handle it. That would be cool. <laughs> Love it. And, and you know what? Uh, I would do it for free. I, I would do it. If I would pay them to do it. How's that? Uh, that's pretty much like yeah. any extra there, Jim. I think that's. <laughs> <laughs> you get paid in glory points, I guess. <laughs> well, oh, good. boy. This next story actually caught me this week. Star Trek Lower Decks comic miniseries debuts. Star Trek Lower Decks is almost halfway through its third season on Paramount Plus. And this week it also jumps to another median with the debut of IDW Star Trek Lower Decks comic miniseries. The three-issue series is written by Ryan North with art from Chris Leo. Star Trek, Lower Decks number one synopsis. The hit Paramount animated series makes its comic debut with Eisner, Eisner winning comic writer Ryan North, unbeatable squirrel girl, at the helm. Soon after leading, leading her crew on a planetary expedition aimed at building bridges and advanced Federation technology, Captain Freeman begins to suspect that the planet is, and its people are not what they seem. Meanwhile, the crew of Lower Decks takes 
to the holodeck, enjoying some much-needed recreational time until a bloodthirsty visitor decides to join him in the game. Star Trek Lower Decks came this past Tuesday the 14th, and you can order individual copies of TFAW or pick individual digital editions at Amazon Comicology. I've already read issue one. I'm already waiting for issue two. Jim will agree with this. This this just kicks in like an episode. We actually get an opener, opening teaser. Then we get the main episode. You and know, they put uh, a cliffhanger. They put a cliffhanger at the end of this issue that you're like, oh no, I wonder what happened. I can't wait for you I can't wait to talk about this, Charles, on Comic Corner because this comic book was outstanding. Like you said, um, because it's an animated series, it just leads itself into comic book form so perfect. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to talk about on Comic Corner. And, you, got. and so, you guys, yeah. I can't wait to talk about it because, um, well, Paul already knows this, but Ryan North is literally one of my favorite comic book writers of all time. The Invisible Squirrel Girl is my favorite superhero. He wrote all 50 issues of the most recent run of Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, which I think stopped in like 2016 or 2018, something like that. Um, fantastic writer. I have not had a chance yet to read this uh, issue. I'm picking it up tomorrow. Oh. But, uh, but I'm just super excited about it because he is a fantastic writer. I don't know and, how this issue is going to be when you read it in paper, but I will make the one comment. Watch out for the subtext. Yeah, that's his, that's his trademark. Oh. So every page has like a little thing down at the bottom. So I love that. Yeah, he yeah. did a lot of that. That was as good as the, as the story I felt. It was just phenomenal. So oh, yeah. we're going to talk about that. Oh. We, we might talk about this issue on uh, Monday's Comic Corner. We're going to talk about Star Trek Picard, Stargazer, issue one. And uh, depending on, on, you guys think we can squeeze both these issues in? Yeah, probably. Yeah, all oh, these, these two are my, these are two are small stories, so yeah. All right, so there you have, we'll talk about Star Trek Picard, Stargazer issue one, and Lower Decks issue one, both on Monday's podcast. So if you want to hear our full thoughts on that, you'll have to tune in on Monday for Comic Corner, 7.30 p.m. All right, it's time for... Our lower decks, but first we have to play. I got to set you guys up, get you the mood, bring you into lower decks. Our phone number here is six four six 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 eight two four three three. If you like to call and share your opinions on lower decks, please let your fingers do the walking. Call Trek Talk. So here we go. Here's our clip from Lower Decks. Set the mood. Captain's log, Stardate five eight two five six point two. Jengis 4 is a remote planet which was believed to be uninhabited until indigenous silicate creatures called the Scrubble started turning Federation scientists into statues. Captain Murakami of the USS Hood answered the distress call and brokered tentative peace. With the conflict resolved, the Cerritos and the Carlsbad are coordinating to relocate the outpost. All right, so Eric, what did our... Facebook fans have to say about this week's or last week's episode of Lower Decks. Well, Mining the Mines Mines got a nine from Richard Chang. 
Another great episode and nice plot twist I didn't see coming. Yeah, me neither, Rich. That was cool. Uh, Doug Alexander gave it a 9.5. A great episode. Especially loved seeing Mariner get embarrassed. I didn't think that was possible. <laughs> me too, Doug. Steve Mitchell gave it a solid 10. Dorothy Ann Ferguson gave it a 10, as this was a stellar episode. Cassandra Distin said an 8 for me. The overlong here, uh, you take it, gag fell flat, and it wasn't very tracked. And also a long, annoyed, no real Jennifer this season. Uh, like they tried so hard not to focus on her that they left her out, at least the real one. So I think uh, Cassandra wanted a little bit more Jennifer. Gave it an 8. Nick Dingman said a solid eight for me. Good episode, but compared to the absolute bangers that most of Lower Decks is, it's not quite up there. Brian Kane said at least an eight, maybe a nine. Malia Brahms' callback was awesome, and I guess Mariner and Jennifer are Jennifer are a couple now. Uh, Brian might have missed that at the end of last season. Doctor Migglymood doesn't do much for me though. Brian, thanks very much. Gave it an eight, maybe a nine. Wes Huntington gave it a ten. Easily the funniest episode of the season so far. Stephen Whalen said 10 all day long. And Sean Jr., who we've heard from before, gave it a solid 8, live long and prosper. And that gives this episode a fan score of 9.2, which is uh, that's very respectable, you guys. Uh, 9.2 is right up there. We've got uh, a 9.3 from Grounded and uh, an 8.25 uh, from the fans, but uh, but the host gave it uh, last week's episode, or two weeks ago, I guess, at this point, a 9.9. And this one, everybody gave a 9.2. Well, we'll find out what we thought, but our fans gave it a 9.2, so pretty good. Score. You know what, Eric? I think that I need to repost, uh, in my opinion, <laughs> that they episode was, yeah. was the best I've seen. And I think, yeah. like we talked about, because that happened to fall on a holiday weekend, um, and I put it up on Friday, and most people were away for that long weekend, I think a lot of fans missed that post and just didn't respond. Sample size to was too small. Yep. It was just too small. We only had five people yep. that, it, that responded, and I did, that's just unheard of. I, so I think that if we reposted that again, I think the score would be higher than 8.3. Completely agree with you. Yeah. That's neither here nor there. Uh, Now it's time for our cadet training. Okay. Take it away, Charles. All right. Thanks, Jim, for helping me out with this one a bit. Let's start off with the animated series. How sharper than a serpent's tooth. I believe that's where one of the creatures came from. TNG's booby trap, where we get to see the hologram, Dr. Brom. TNG's galaxy child, where we actually get to meet the real Dr. Brom. Where no man has gone before, our dream episode. And TNG's coming of age, where Wesley gets tested, and this time we have another character who gets tested. So, Jim, I bet you have some clips for us. Yes, absolutely. So we're going we're gonna to talk about the episode, and we're going to give our own scores. But as usual, I have some highlights that I've pulled off the episode. 
um, that I'll play, and we'll discuss. So the first one I have is called You're So Cool. You're trapped in a cave, and your commander is armless. I fear we will be penalized for this. No, I will. I made us rush. Why? We had all day. You guys were going so fast. We, we were trying to speed up to beat you. <sighs> it's clear the Cerritos has a bad reputation. We didn't want to live up to it. Wow. I'm speechless. Come on, don't pile on. Look, the Cerritos is actually a really great place to serve. No, no, no. I mean, we were the ones who were rushing. What? You guys are so cool, and we were just trying to impress you. Wait, you think we're cool? Yes. The tales of your exploits are widely shared. The Cerritos is, in fact, the coolest. So uh, what I liked about this particular clip was I remember uh, when we first introduced Paul to Lower Decks, and he didn't quite get it, and I said to Paul, well, I like Lower Decks because... I feel like the characters on Lower Decks would be us if we were characters on Star Trek and we would be playing D&D and we would be doing all these things and, you know, having Tom Paris plates and stuff. And to me, the Lower Decks people are all of us if we were on Star Trek. But, but to see this other crew looking at the crew of the Cerritos as if, the crew of the Cerritos was on Star Trek and they were the fans looking at them. I thought that was a really cool twist on, on my take of the show. And I thought it was cool to actually see another crew say to another crew, you guys are so cool. And, and we, we emulate you guys. And I, I thought that was just cool. <laughs> Hence the name. What did you guys think? Did you, did you like that, that analogy, that clip? What yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say that the other thing that I think that Lower Decks does really well is it's not just the reference zingers and that kind of stuff, but it does this. Um, it has some of the same formats as a lot of the Trek that we know and love. So, for example, in this one, they set up that alternate crew at the beginning of the episode, and they make us not like them by the information that they share with us about the crew. And so we we all have kind of a set of assumptions about that crew. And then later in the episode, they break those assumptions, right? And they say, hey, you know, everything that you thought you knew about these people, it's actually all wrong. And aren't you a fool for having made, you know, assumptions without actually giving these people a fair chance? So once again, the lesson in life is always give people a fair chance. And Lower Decks is is carrying that Star Trek flame high as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. I I couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs) Anybody else want to add anything? Okay. I think it was a great perspective so, on the. I think it was a great perspective on the ship, because you kind of think, yeah. oh, we're just a California class, and yeah. we're just not that big on the on in the field, and yet we're the you're the we're the you're the ship we look up to. We want to be the Cerritos because they get to do something. Most of the California class ships don't get to do much, and yet this one gets to do a lot. They and, bought the Packwoods. <laughs> zany, yeah. all kinds of zany adventures. Yeah. <laughs> and I also don't know if you guys caught this or not, but uh, at the beginning of the episode, we get to see an Excelsior-class starship, uh, the USS Hood, for the first <laughs> time in a very long time. And the USS Hood, if you didn't know this, was the ship that Riker came from an encounter at Farpoint also the ship that delivered Pulaski to the Enterprise and the child. Yep. 
Yep. And it's also been seen ferrying various other diplomats around to Deep Space Nine. And the fact that we see it here ferrying people around again, it's just they're just upholding the, the, the uh, Star Trek, um, uh, I don't know, theory. It's nothing more than a courier shoot. Every time we see it, that's what it's <laughs> Hey, well, except except it did fight in the Dominion War. Uh, it was it was in a lot of those Dominion War battles, but generally speaking, yeah, it was pretty pretty much stuck on courier duty. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of brings people around. Okay, so uh, it was just cool to see it again, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the next one that I want to play for you guys is entitled "Need Therapy." Wow, good aim is hot. I want to be explosive. I want us to grow old and boring and grow orchids together, babe. Settle down with me. Mary, you might want to go back to therapy. Sarita, come in. Of course, it's not a real day in Starfleet till comms get blocked. <laughs> so when there was a couple of, I love that line. I, I had to cut it at that line because it's it, it's true, <laughs> you know, for this for this ultimate this technology that's so far advanced and so awesome. How often do the comms not work? Comms and transporters you know? constantly not working. Constantly not working. <laughs> so that was funny. But the the main thing was was you know Mariner and and Jennifer and Jennifer turns into a werewolf I I, I don't know what to call her well it's holographic like, Jennifer but yeah yeah <laughs> an Andorian werewolf is the closest thing I could come to to just and she's yelling at at Mariner you know I want to grow old together I want to grow orchids together and she's and all these things and Mariner's running away like no 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 it's kind of like you know, Mariner doesn't want the commitment. She doesn't want to be to grow old with somebody, to grow orchids together with somebody, and and uh, so it's part of Mariner's psyche. I think it says a lot about her character. And of course, Boimler points it out and says, "You need therapy," and you know, here we are. So, you know, what did you think about that, Charles? Did you did you get anything out of that scene? It was an interesting one where we started to realize something really was going on, where we start seeing, okay, a basketball showed up. And it's like, wait a minute, somebody mentioned basketball recently, and they started really, you know, wait a minute, why are we getting all these thoughts? And starting to realize, oh, wait a minute, these are our personal thoughts, and they're coming true. It's just ideals, and they come true. So you realize something really is going on this episode. It's also fun to see the two teams really working together. They're like, okay, we got to band together and do this. And they make a good team in their lower decks. Now, what about, what about, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to say something, and I'm going to bite my tongue after I say it because I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I'm going to. I read a clip somewhere <laughs> that said that that Star Trek actually ripped off another show, which is a total ripoff, called The Orville, by having <laughs> terror 
sounds on the show. I do not watch that other show, will not watch that other show, so I don't know if that's true or not. But I got to say, I thought that the, that the Klingon clowns with batless arms, was what more terrifying can you think of than that? I'm thinking of Pennywise with arms coming at you. We also had a giant Borg snake running around. Uh, we had Jennifer as a werewolf Andorian. And uh, we also had the the giant dragon from the TAS episode that we mentioned earlier, the, the serpent's tooth. So there was a lot going on in that scene. But is it true? Were, were terror clowns on the other show? Uh, I don't remember that now. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I don't remember either. No, so. I, I mean, I, we've, I, I'm pretty much caught up, and I don't remember seeing them. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm caught up too, and I actually don't remember seeing any clowns on that show at all. Nope. Okay, no, so, like... so shame on you for saying that, guy. It's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, but, but I did I like. I, I well, did I like Jimmy yeah, clown the bat list. I'm like, that was awesome. Are we going to talk more about Jennifer in a second? Because I want to talk more about Jennifer. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna get to that. I, I but I want to ask you guys for the old guys out there. The, the opening scene. Did anybody else think of the Lockar heavy metal? Or was it just was it just me? It's been a long time since I've seen that movie, so couldn't say. Like, like if Sammy Hagar came down in a giant, in a giant convertible, was singing heavy, heavy metal, and the giant green glowing orb was there, and they picked it up, and it melted the guy, and then it went up between the girl's legs and turned her into this giant uh, evil thing, that would have been the opening of heavy metal. They didn't quite go in that direction in this episode, but it kind of reminded me of that just a little bit. But yeah, I've never seen that before. I'm, I'm old. I, I'm long in the tooth. I, I have a lot of these useless old things floating around in my brain. And that's one of them. Well, Jim, All right, if, guys. You want to talk about, if you want to talk briefly about intros, so one thing we haven't yet mentioned is how at the beginning of the of Lower Decks this season, they've now added the what I'll call the rainbow track uh, intro, which they started with Strange New Worlds. And in Strange New Worlds, it used the Enterprise to kind of fly across the screen, trailing a rainbow behind it and showing the Star Trek logo. But when they switched to Lower Decks, it's now the Cerritos in that. So they kept the same kind of graphic style, but they put the Cerritos in it, which I thought was cool. And it gives a cohesive intro to all Star Trek shows now. I'm wondering if they'll do the same thing for future Star Trek shows. And and they also all opening credits, the battle sequence at the beginning, they added in a Silicon Entity. So every they've altered that battle sequence just a little bit, and uh, that's the alteration they made for season three. So you know what season you're watching by what is going on in that particular battle sequence at the beginning. All right, guys, here it is by popular demand. Um, I've called this clip simply Jennifer. I was about to go yell at Ransom, really tear him a new one for being so annoying. Want to come watch? Nice try, babe, but I'll hold off for the real deal back on the ship. <laughs> okay. You and Jennifer are babing each other now? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we have been. Aw, it's nice to see you with a girlfriend instead of destroying everything in your past. She's not my girlfriend. We're just hanging out. We're not into labels. Oh, I'm into labels. I'm fine being your hot Andorian girlfriend. 
that your fantasy? No, where? No, go find Leah Brown. Shut up. Ooh, somebody's blushing. Ooh, I think she is. I'm detecting an elevated heart rate. Stop looking at my heart rate. Okay, we have to ignore these totally inaccurate fantasies at all costs. Come and look at the warp core with me and Leah. All right. There you go, Eric. There's your intro. Oh, Take it away. My gosh, I love it. This is my absolute favorite scene in the whole show. Um, because, you know, we haven't really seen a lot of embarrassed Mariner, right? Mariner is our hero, uh, and she's often shown as kind of like, you know, action, action-packed. action um, And we've had just hints about at the end of last season about her and Jennifer maybe being interested in one another. Haven't seen a thing this season, so it was really fun to just bring that up as an embarrassing moment where her friends are just razzing her about it right there. Uh, thought it was, I just thought it was super duper cute, um, and to see them actually like draw the red cheeks on her, and she's so embarrassed, and she's got this like look on her face. So, my favorite scene <laughs> in this whole episode, personally. Well, you know what I, I liked about it? What I thought was cool was very similar to when. Um, when um, Adira told uh, uh, um, Burnham and Stamets that they that she didn't want to be called she that she wanted to be called they, and Stamets just kind of okay, and that's it. Well, when when Boimler says, "Well, it, it's that's nice that you finally have a girlfriend," uh, it was just kind of like no big deal. It's like you got a girlfriend, and that's cool. And it, it was just like it wasn't an issue at all. And I thought that was really neat. Yep. Yeah, that's just the way the world is now, and I love the Star Trek's representative. It's awesome. Yeah, it was cool, and and uh, I like that they that they threw that in there, and it wasn't a big deal. You know, people weren't going crazy, and and well, not yet, anyways. So, uh, and everybody likes Jennifer, you know. <laughs> Which is so funny because Mariner hated her at first, right? But probably hated her because she liked her. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I, I, I love the care. And I, I love the scene at the very end uh, where um, I, I cut it before it got there, where um, uh, uh, the, the Rutherford walks by and Leia Brahm shows up. Mm-hmm. And says something like, you want to help yeah. stroke the war? And then he says, oh, no, 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 cribbage, cribbage, cribbage. And he runs away. And then Leia Brahms, where does she go? She goes over to Jennifer. And uh, she's kind of hugging Jennifer, and they say to Mariner, why don't you come and help me and Leia with the warp core? And it's like, let's get a threesome going on with you, me, and Jennifer. And uh, I thought that was funny. Too. But I, I cut the scene before it got there, but uh, I thought that was funny. Je- Jennifer is an interesting character, and uh, they say that we're going to see more of her. So all uh, we can do is wait. And hope. Yeah, I mean, now we know what Mariner's kind of in inner um, worries are about Jennifer. We know that she kind of fears commitment um, and fears long-term relationships. And, you know, when she is confronted by her friends, she's like, no, nah, it's nothing serious. It's just kind of a short-term thing, but yet they've been together for a little bit. So it's, you know, she's trying to figure out, Mariner's trying to figure out how much to open her heart right now, which I think is kind of a fun character development for her. Yeah. And I, I thought it, I, I almost lost it when, uh, when uh, Rutherford's like, I'm detecting a, a, an elevated heart rate. She's like, stop, stop reading my heart rate. <laughs> it was, it was, it was perfect. It was just enough, I thought. So does anybody else want to add anything about Jennifer before we move on? Okay. I just want to add that um, the, the thing about, the part 
for me that stirred me the most throughout this entire episode was when the werewolf Jennifer came in and took the other Jennifer and ripped her in half. I thought that part kind of ruined it for me. From that point on, it was just like, oh, what did I just watch? <laughs> it was kind of gruesome for me for some reason. I don't know why. Well, I, I, to me, I thought that this was what we were saying. There's two different Jennifers in there. There's the there's the the Jennifer that we see. Hey, babe, let's go and get it off with Leah and stroke the warp core and blah, 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 blah. And then there's the werewolf Jennifer who's like, I want commitment. I want to grow orchids. I want to grow old together. I want this. I want that. There's the, the Jennifer that wants everything from her, which is the opposite of the other Jennifer. Is. So the werewolf Jennifer ripped her in half and swore away because we're not about that. We're about this. That's, that's kind of what I got out of this. But yeah. again, actually, just the fears the Mariner has. The fears the Mariner has about Jennifer coming two forms. Yeah. You know, so right. I totally agree. The good the good Jennifer and the bad Jennifer. All right, guys. So uh we could we, we couldn't do this episode without talking about the one, the only Leah Brown. Whoa. Hey Samantha, you wanna come over here and help me design some galaxy class starship engine? Leah Brown. No, man, no. Think about Parisi Squares. Think of Parisi Squares. This is your fantasy? Oh, yeah. Dr. Brown's was instrumental in advancing warp field theory. I need a big brain engineer who can help me extrude some plasma and run some tests. <laughs> no, leave me alone. So, I think it's hilarious Rutherford has the same fantasy that Jordy had. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think that's how... I think that's how they can get away with this because it's holographic uh, Brahms, you know? So it's like, it's the way that Jordy, it's kind of like the way that Jordy programmed the holodeck with Leia Brahms the first time around before he actually knew who she was. So, you know, they're taking some liberties with the character here, which are funny in this context. Some people could say, oh my God, they're, you know, sexualizing her too much or or whatever. But I think in this context and the fact that she's a hologram, it's it's funny. I think it's funny. And she's wearing, and just, just to, put a cherry on top of that. She's wearing the same exact outfit oh, that she hair. wore in the episode Booby Trap. And her hair so, is the same. That's because yeah. I watched that episode. Yeah. It, it's, yeah he it, programmed it, her just it, the same way that Jordy did. Yeah. Yeah, it's clearly <laughs> meant to be that character from that holodeck because she's dressed exactly the same way, which I don't think is an accident. And and let's be clear, well, like, and, the reason that both Jordy and Rutherford fell in love with this woman, I think, is because of her brain, right? Because she's like, she is the person when it comes to work field theory. And um, Jordy couldn't solve problems without eventually meeting, you know, the real uh, Leah Brown. So they both have the same kind of like mad respect for her brain that um, that we don't see in this episode, but it's okay. Yeah. Well, be, I, I, I think you're right, Eric. I think. It's the way the character, it's the way Jordy wrote the character originally. Oh, right. And exactly. Yeah. So I think it, it fits in that context. Yep, totally. Well, and the thing is, Lower Decks could have just brought, the, brought a character back. But Lower Decks went beyond just bringing Leah Brahms back. They brought the actress back to be Leah Brahms. It's like, I love Lower Decks and the idea that, hey, we got this character. Well, let's go ahead and bring the original actor back to play him. We're just not creating, we're just creating a new voice for this person. 
we're bringing back brand new, we're bringing back an original character. And I just love that idea, Lower Decks, that they will bring back people just to voice these actors, voice these characters. You know what would be awesome, And make Charles, them more it, real. Yeah, and if they actually brought back the real character, wouldn't that be a cool, like, mirror to the fact that they brought the real character in in TNG? Yeah. Because at, at this point, we're seeing, um, uh, what, Leah Brahms. So in 2370, she becomes the director of the Zephram Cochran Institute for Advanced Theoretical Physics. Twelve years later, we're now seeing... Uh, lower deck, so she will have had that job for a while. So she's basically woman at the top of her game right now. Wouldn't it be cool to bring her into an episode ten? Yeah, it would be. And a little, you know, would... himself there for a second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said R two D two intro intro thing. R two D two. Yeah. There's a spy in our midst. <laughs> uh, he's everywhere, <laughs> but yeah, I, I did, I did, like I said, I did think that they used her in the exact context that she should have been used based on Rutherford, Doctor yeah. and based on the holodecks. They did, they it was very sexualized, but I think that it was done in the right way. Oh, yeah. don't forget well, it's supposed was... to shut off the uh, the uh, fantasy. So, I mean, right? Yeah, technically. Well, and I was just going to mention. So, remember, in all good things, in one of those um, alternate like realities, we see. Uh, well, it's the one where he goes, where um, Jordy's there, and he meets Picard and that kind of stuff. He talks about his wife, Leah. And so the presumption is that eventually he married Leah Brahms. So that would be another cool thing like you know that was obviously not this timeline or this future that was the the, the one work cards different <laughs> doing grapes in a different way right all right guys we got one more clip here and uh i just wanted to give i just want to give ransom something to do so i've entitled this one scientists once again we're cleaning up a mess for a bunch of outpost scientists you know why these guys are always getting eaten disappearing or getting eggs laid in their chest because they're working on the frontier because they're weirdos you want to explore space doing starfleet <laughs> go to the academy but no that's too much effort they just got to get their degrees and studying spores or whatever then head off into the quadrant <laughs> and get devoured by a plant is this a mission briefing or a stand-up routine oh no no his stand-up's more a raw and filtered take on <laughs> dating and mating Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> I just, first of all, I thought it was funny that he specifically mentioned spores. Get their spores, degrees in spores and go out and get eaten by a giant plant. I, um, I mean, that's just so funny. Discovery references in Lower Decks. That is awesome. Yeah, I just, I liked it. And I just thought I just wanted to play it for you guys. All right, guys. So. Let's go around the room and get our scores for this episode. And Paul's been awful quiet, so let's start off with Paul. What do you think? On a scale of one to ten, what would you give this one, Paul? Oh, it's funny. It was it was all right. It didn't you know blow my uh, you know gaskets wide open. I, it was fun though. I, I'd probably like a seven, eight in there somewhere. Yeah. All right. I mean, I don't honestly. I don't. They would have to be extremely hard pressed to top. For me, last week's episode. 
Exactly. Really. I thought that was just, I mean, this was funny. It's just, you know, uh, it, it kind of felt a little bit more familiar in terms of the, the rhythm of the kind of comedy, right? Last week was a, a big breath of fresh air, but the, so this seemed a bit more rote, but, uh, and, you know, I just don't have any of the familiarity of the back seasons, right? To have, I mean, like you guys with this Jennifer, I'm like, who the hell is Jennifer? <laughs> yeah. Know. I got nothing there. I'm like, you know, as, as uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, you know, I'm still not as, uh, you know, familiar with this particular arm of the franchise, but I'm getting there. Yeah. I, and, and you know what? Last week, I picked up like, the comic book for crying out loud. You know, there you go. Yeah. I just think that last week is like the pinnacle. I've seen them all. And I think that was the episode. So, you know, so how about you, David? One to ten, what do you think? Uh, well, before I go into the uh, core, I actually wanted to mention, did you guys notice? So going way back to TAS, uh, that episode, How Serpent and the Serpent Tooth, have you guys noticed the difference between the way that Kirk and Spock named the Klu Klux uh, they apparently said two separate words that sounded very similar. I don't know if you guys ever caught that. But no, I thought it would have been really funny if, yeah, I thought, well, apparently from what I hear it was that uh, during the time when they were filming that uh, cartoon that uh, Kirk and Spock were in completely separate rooms, like they had no contact with each other whatsoever. So apparently one of the two mispronounced the actual word of Klukukan. And I can't remember if it was Kirk or Spock, but um, apparently somebody mispronounced that particular word because nobody gave him, whoever it was, the actual pronunciation of that word. So I thought it would have been funny if it would have been like some sort of, you know, mix of like somebody mispronouncing the word to, I don't know, maybe get a little bit of a Easter egg out of there or something, but yeah. <laughs> You mean like yeah, they did so with the Bugatti's Gumatus uh, and all that stuff yeah, in that episode? Yeah, kind of like that, yeah. But if you go watch that episode again, uh, I think it might have been Cook who pronounced it wrong. But yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> anyway, so uh, my overall score of this episode would probably have to be... I agree with you guys. It's not it as funny, and that whole thing was that gory part. I just couldn't stand it. It was like, oh my goodness, what did I just watch? <laughs> Um, I'm going to have to bring this one down, probably down to a uh, 8.3. Hey, that's still respectable. That, that's still it not, funny, not but it too bad. It wasn't the best. <laughs> I agree. All right, what do you think, Eric? The ball's in your yeah. court. Yeah, I think I'm kind of along <clears throat> with uh, what I'm hearing here. Uh, good, good. You know, fun episode. Uh, didn't didn't blow my mind. Uh, nothing compares to last week so far. So I'll give this one a seven. All right, seven it is. All right, that brings it all back around to you. What do you think, Charles? One to ten. I think I'm up there still with David. I'm still gonna hide us give this one a good one, especially with William Brahms in there. She was a good character, even though short run in T, uh, TNG. I'm going to go with, uh, I'll, I'll agree with David, 
8.6. Well, you know, I'm going to go with uh, 7.8. And uh, I, I thought the, the story was good, but I, I mostly because I like when they when they reference TAS, like they obviously beginning in the episode. I think they would spot. Anytime they throw the animated series in there, you, you got me. So uh, that, that's that's mm-hmm. what I'm going to give it because nothing's going to top last for me. That was just perfect. That was lower decks at perfection. So anything from that is going to be down. So uh, that's our scores. And what did our fans give it versus what did we give it, Charles? Ah, our fans. 9.2. Gave it 9.2. And with Paul's, I think he said 7. Brings us to a 7.8. All right. So the fans liked it a little bit better than we did. That's fine. I don't know. I think I'd still like to be number one, number one. That's cool. So that that wraps up our show for this week, guys. As I said, uh, we heard us talking a little bit earlier. Um, We are going to be doing a Playmates show on Monday, on a Monday, tentatively the 26th. But uh, until I can confirm that, we don't know. But tentatively, it will be the 26th. It will be our Toy Chest episode. Paul um, did the last one uh, for us where we, we, we had the opportunity to open up some Playmates figures. Well, we're going to have somebody from the production of Playmates to talk to. So if you guys have ever wanted to know, if you've ever wanted to ask them, why did you make this figure? Why didn't you make that one? Whatever. It's your chance to call and ask that question and get an answer. So you definitely want to keep that in the back of your mind. But even more than that, um, I have some figures to give away to lucky callers. So um, I have a data, I have a Riker, and I have a Picard right here in my hands that I want to give to you. But you have to call. Call 646-668-2433 on Monday and ask a question. And if you do that, you can have your pick of the three characters. Whoever calls first gets the first pick. Whoever calls second gets the next pick. And whoever calls first gets what's left. So I'm willing to give this to you guys absolutely free, but you got to call and ask a question. It's pretty simple. So give a call, get a figure. It's, it's, it's that simple. Uh, Monday, we're going to be talking about, on Comic Corner, we're going to be doing Star Trek uh, Picard, Stargazer issue number one, and Lower Decks issue number one. So uh, tune in on Monday for that. Thursday night, we'll be talking about the episode, which is on right now, on tonight. I don't know the title of it. Is anybody title i haven't checked yet but, uh, no. no i don't know it but whatever episode is on right now tonight we're going to talk about that next thursday so you want to tune in for that and head over to our facebook page at truck talking and beyond give us a like give us a follow and become a member of our family we'd absolutely love to have you guys aboard so i'm your most excellent host uncle jim and i want to say thank you to my awesome truck spurts for hanging out with us tonight so thank you so much to paul for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, dude. It was fun. And uh, thank you so much to David for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, David. Yeah, thank you. This was really fun. And thank you so much to our very own Eric for Trek talking with us. All three are the trifecta from Portland. So thank you, Eric. I absolutely. Had a great time as always. Have a great night, guys. 
And thank you so much to Charles from Vegas for hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you so much, Charles. Oh, thank you. Love truck and tech. And oh, by the way, I'm going to push. You guys have the two comics. I've got one you guys really want to read. Star Trek 400. And I'll tell Eric this. 400 reminds me of Waypoint. Remember that series? Oh, yeah, that was a great series. uh, 400 reminds me exactly of that with four different stories, four different authors, four different three or four different uh, artists, colorers, a batch of mixed stories, and they're good stories, including Will Wheaton's. Will Wheaton's have good stories. I have it on my Kindle, and uh, hopefully I'm going to be reading it this weekend while I'm hanging out at camp, trying to keep warm around my campfire. I plan on reading it. So uh, You're um, going to enjoy it, Jim. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that I will. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what Will Wheaton brings to the table. So anyways, guys, yeah. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, uh, saying Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe that. And please, everybody, try to stay safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Stay out. Live long and prosper. Let's see what's out there. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.